This is Audio Gyan and I am your host Kedar Nimkar. Welcome to a deep dive into the minds of luminaries from the Indian creative world. Waste not, want not. This can be explained as uh, if you are not wasteful with resources, you have now, then at a later date, you'll have those resources to use as you want and need. By not wasting, you will not be needy later. And today, to discuss all about waste ecosystem and the sector at large, uh, we have Rahul Nainani with us on Audiogan. Rahul has a passion for sustainable policies that create value with one eye on the bottom line and the other on tangible social impact. Rahul, along with his co-founder, Gurashi Singh Sahani, founded ReCircle in 2016 as an innovative, multifaceted solution to India's burgoing waste management woos. ReCircle has instituted flagship initiatives such as Clima One, Plastic EPR Service, Plastic Neutral Programs, and ground-level community collection drives. We'll be talking about this and more. Welcome, Rahul, to AudioGAN. It's a real pleasure to have you on the show. And yeah, thanks for giving your time. Thank you. Thank you, Kedar, for having me on the show. I'm excited to have this chat with you today. Awesome. So yeah, as as I started uh, with the introduction about knowing the waste ecosystem and and, uh, the sector at large and also started on a philosophical note of waste not, want not, we'll, we'll see where our conversation unfolds. But yeah, just to kick off the conversation, uh, I wanted to understand like, how do you sort of define waste? Uh, and is there a systematic way to study? Are there broad categories? How does waste is generated? I'm clubbing few questions, but yeah, just just as sure. a conversation uh, starter. No, sure. So Kidar, I think uh, how uh, we define waste at ReCircle might, I think I'll try to dig that up later on, but because we have a really different mindset in terms of how we are looking at waste and rethinking waste. But uh, waste for the general audience is, I think, typically something that we discard uh, and has no use of it going forward. Uh, we have this mindset of uh, what is out of sight, out of mind, and that's what we generally think of it as waste. Largely in a technical sense, waste is uh, generally divided into mainly into three to four main categories. One is your household organic waste, which is basically your food waste, compostable waste that generally comes out of your food leftovers and your cooking waste that comes in. Uh, the second being your dry or recyclable waste, so which is essentially largely packaging. So your paper, plastic, metal, glass, e-waste as well to an extent will come. So e-waste would be a separate subcategory under the dry waste, but it would start largely still come under the dry waste or recyclable waste category itself. And the third being majorly your is your hazardous waste. The hazardous waste would typically include your biomedical waste, your sanitary pads, diapers, uh, generally how we like to define it is something that touches your body and you're putting into your dustbin is generally that is going to go into your biohazardous waste. Uh, these are the last three main categories that would come under your household or municipal solid waste. And then of course, there will be a much larger segment of industrial waste that comes in as well. So things that are coming out of your manufacturing setups, your industry setups, which would obviously be very typical to this nature or the scope of the industry that they work in. So, uh, that's how we largely look at waste. Ideally, something that you basically discard and you don't think that you need is what we call or what humans call as waste to start with. Got it. But yeah, like I have two follow-up questions on that. So one is, at least in the traditional middle-class family, you see uh, gila kachra and suka kachra, right? So just two things. So are these made simpler to at least filter out at a top level or... Because when, like, right now I'm based in Singapore and I'm really confused. Yeah. Like, five different cans, uh, and it says cans and it says paper. Now, I don't know where, because my can is a paper can, so I don't know where to put in. So, <laughs> how do these sort of, where do these categories come from and why do these categories exist also? I think typically, so broadly, what we have been taught is gila kachra, suka kachra, like you rightly said, wet waste and dry waste. Uh, but we we do miss out on the biohazardous waste mm. that we also generate in terms of sanitary pads, diapers, uh, medical waste that comes out of households as well. And I think it's a big, big thing to make sure that 
at least if not so if you go to developed countries like singapore you'll have probably a five way or a seven way segregation which will have your cardboards and paper separate glass separate can separate paper and then your food waste and your uh, and your other waste that comes in landfill waste that you might have as well but uh, main to teen main categories is which we which we need to look at at least if you're looking at the indian ecosystem you know make sure you are and and i and i somewhat do not like the the classification of dry wet and reject uh, largely because it's very confusing like like you rightly mentioned that uh, cans my can is my my papers made out of can should i make put in the can waste or the or the or the paper waste itself and which is where you know a lot of times when we do our awareness workshops we also get this question is that i called for let's say of some i called for some our food from a restaurant now it's dry the packaging is dry but under to gila kachra tha so should it be should it i put it in the wet waste or the dry waste itself so i think how we how we have simplified or how we like to put it is that whatever is man made which is basically comes from the earth is your food that comes out needs to go into your wet waste or your compostable waste whatever mm. is man what sorry whatever is nature made sorry nature made comes into your whatever is made from the earth comes into your wet waste whatever is man made things like your paper plastic glass metal electronics xyz needs to come into your your dry waste segment of things and then the third being your biohazard reject waste is typically like i mentioned the easiest way to say is that is if there's something that touches your body or if you has bodily fluids inside it that's what you put into your biohazard or reject waste now the main reason to actually have three or five or 10 categories of uh, segregation that needs to be done is because based on the segregation that happens at source something this waste can be actually utilized for some other purpose so if you are not sorting your waste out at the base level itself you cannot do much with the waste going forward so if wet waste is segregated properly it can be composted dry can be sent for recycling and then uh, the relevant treatment to be done with your biohazard waste as well hmm hmm very interesting in fact i'm so uh, sort of curious to know aage kya like what happens with the waste uh, when it goes by but we'll we'll circle back on that if we have more time but yeah so and and so can you sort of also share some some stats about like at least in india because i saw your report and um, it shows some in tons right millions and yeah. so like yeah so what's what's like if if somebody has to comprehend these numbers and draw a parallel because what we see typically are landfills and like some right. outskirts where things are dumped and you can't really like yeah, it just like mountains of stuff uh put on each other so like any numbers anything to to understand and see the landscape and also understand the waste ecosystem right how does sort of especially sure. in india so india just to start off with the headline india is the third largest waste generator in the world uh we generate about 62 million tons of waste now the number when i also put it into account the calculator is very overwhelming you really don't understand you know what is what does 62 million tons of waste look like uh, but trust me having visited multiple landfills across the country the number is very very large mm-hmm. to contextualize it let's take a smaller number to start with i think uh, like let's take a select a city like mumbai or delhi is generating about 8 to 9000 tons of waste every single day which is roughly equivalent to about 1500 full grown elephants so imagine 1500 full grown elephants of amount of waste that you're generating every single day in a big city like mumbai or delhi now if you can you can extrapolate the numbers to get what 62 million tons of waste looks like and i'll leave that to your imagination but just to give you that every single day that we basically are just disposing we think that it is just one dustbin that i take out of my house and that's done and dusted but uh, it's it's mountains and mountains of trash that we are generating every single day uh, maybe one so one and and the, and the challenge with this is of course you might say that india is also the largest in number of population today mm. so it's it's bound to say that okay we will be the largest waste generator also very soon which is going to happen but uh, it's a big problem it's a big problem not in just terms of the environmental aspect so like of course waste and leading to global warming, rare regularities and things like that that the environmental part of it is covered but 
another point is that india also has a large informal economy that actually just works out of scavenging waste for a living and even though there is no there's no direct data point and there's multiple sources say different things but it's estimated that about 3 to 4 million people in india today actually just make a living out of scavenging waste from landfills and dump sites so the environmental problem is large enough but what often gets ignored is the social problem that is also leading to these people actually that clean up our trash after us and these are not the municipal workers that actually you know come and collect your trash but these are informal scrap aggregate scrap aggregators scrap dealers scavengers that just scavenge the recyclable waste from our trash to make a living out of it and uh, and they work without any dignity they work without in the, in the worst of the conditions that you can imagine they work without any minimum wages forget working conditions for that matter of fact uh, because that doesn't even exist in this ecosystem so there is a environmental problem and uh, and then of course there's a social problem as well involved and uh, often when you know when i used to, when and i was as naive as anybody else that's listening to this podcast before we started recircle because i'm like ki ha mere ghar ke bahar kachra hai koi likhe gaya and it disappears like magic it's like a magic trick for us right mm-hmm. we put it outside our dustbin outside our doors and it's automatically disappears but it actually is all getting accumulated you like you mentioned outskirts of the city but not in all cases sometimes it's actually in the middle and the heart of the city which we don't even realize so an example being that uh, uh, i come from mumbai and i was born brought up over here and uh, mumbai has the the largest dump site in asia it's 150 some hectares hectares of land that are just used to dump trash in the middle of mumbai city and this is typically comes it's in the it's a area called devnar now devnar is something that we generally would probably what how we remember it is that ki lonavla ke raste mein aata hai and it smells <laughs> and we don't really know what happens but it's in the heart of the mumbai city if you look at it on the map Yeah. and uh, and it's affecting there and it's affecting a lot more people around it as well and yeah. how soon is it going to start affecting the rest of us is is just a matter of time and this situation is not just mumbai but may it be a delhi may it be a bangalore may it be a hyderabad may it be a shimla may it be a guwahati in assam all of these landfills are overburdening and there are just mountains and mountains of trash uh, i think i can go on and on about the data and the statistics part of it Yeah. Uh, having visited so many of these landfills but yeah i think this should give some kind of context that it's it's a massive problem uh, it's a massive problem to start with environmentally something that we do see but we often forget the social or the human part of it because all of it is being managed by people at the end of it and that's what also needs to be taken into consideration when you look at the waste management sector Mm yeah it's crazy and you mentioned about so two quick questions you mentioned about uh, devnar i believe there's I don't know what it is called, kasai khana, whatever it's called in English. But like all those animal waste also go in there, so it was be just crazy to like yeah manually scavenge stuff there, right? It's a it's all the waste from all over the city is now being dumped. So Devnar is technically supposed to be shut down, but and it's moved to Kanjur Marg and Mulur, the two the other dump sites. But if you look at it from the map, they're all interconnected. It's just one area has been shut, and then it's the second is put on, but. like you rightly mentioned that it's slaughterhouse waste it's slaughterhouse. food waste it's it's pretty much hotel waste hospital waste now of course there are regulations to manage certain waste but the reality is that most of it which which is not segregated will be collected and dumped into landfills um, uh-huh. in like in mumbai and devnar but across the country in different parts of the country there are just mountains of it yeah yeah and and you mentioned we are the third in the world uh i'm sure per capita basis we'll be like less yeah. much less but so who who are the first one like um, america is the first us is the first that's correct yeah. america yeah. is number 1 and i would like to believe it's another european country that's a number 2 maybe germany if i'm not wrong uh okay. but i'm pretty sure that us is number 1 on the list over there so yes per capita like you rightly mentioned that we might not be in the top 10 or top 20 on the list Yeah, but yeah. Uh, the population is large now we need to figure out what to do Correct. with it Correct. so let's yeah. it, it's 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 easier you know to like it's easier to find loopholes like yeah maybe per capita we are not the biggest but we are still yeah, generating yeah. that much quantum 
that Correct. we need to still look at. Hmm. No, the reason why I said is because at least in again middle class Indian families, uh, especially in the Maharashtrian community where I belong from, there is a concept of sort of recycle, re or upcycling or recycling within the house to a certain extent. Uh, but yeah, I can't claim sort of some pride in it because eventually, as a country, <laughs> we have. Uh, <laughs> okay. No, okay. I think I think Kedar, I agree. In fact, it's just this Indian mindset, and and in my household, we were just my mom would still have a full drawer full of plastic bags that she'll never throw away and keep reusing, and everything is Got being it. reused. Hmm. But what we 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 are forgetting our roots, and the younger audience is just like this consumption habit is basically yeah, yeah. you know spoiling us. But yeah, I mean there is still that mind that mothers and how grandmothers in the house will still not throw away. Something that has been there for like twenty, thirty, forty years, but yeah. we are in this take, make, dispose economy in a way, correct, uh, correct. which is the challenge. Yeah, I remember just like if you lift your mattress, like bed mattress, uske niche <laughs> like at least twenty uh, polythene bags or whatever something will be there. Uh, in fact, uh, because of Amazon and food delivery services, it has created more. Chaos in this. Anyway, we'll we'll just digress. So, uh, I would like to know, like, how, like, if you can just very briefly. I know it will be like a huge supply chain, yeah. but how does the entire setup work, right? What are the entities? And as you mentioned, that the municipality would be like a more organized sector, but right. still, like, maybe from that ganta gadi to, uh, or or mm-hmm. maybe you putting out like you're just keeping your dustbin outside to finally dumping in the landfill how like how does it typically happen yeah so of course kela it's a very very fragmented and lots of players in the ecosystem that are there uh, but trying to keep this brief at a high level there are two kind do there two kind of parallel supply chains uh, one is of course your formal so whatever technically the rules in india ask you to segregate your waste so if you are sorting your waste uh, the municipality should collect your dry separately and your wet separately and your biohazard separately for that matter of fact and and uh, which in 90% of india's cases we do not segregate so mm-hmm. we mix it and we the municipality collects it and then takes it to a dump site and basically dumps it over there there is a small small portion of it which also goes to processing centers where the further sorting segregation that happens uh, up to an extent which is possible and that's part of the formal supply chain so Roughly about eighty ninety percent. I mean, I mean, let's say upwards of seventy percent gets just directly untreated and dumped into landfills. About twenty to thirty percent would reach a processing center, which will be going under further sorting, segregation, and then it goes into probably composting, recycling, or end of life, for that matter of fact, which is more of the formal supply chain. The other interesting part is this shadow supply chain that actually runs, which is parallel to the formal supply chain. And I say this is a shadow supply chain because this is your 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 uh, your sweeper in your building your scrap dealer in your your kabadi wala at your neighborhood in neighborhood to your larger scrap dealers in the end of your in, outskirts of the city and these guys basically actually do the hard work of sorting segregating whatever they can from our trash and making sure that that reaches a recycling facility so an mm-hmm. example being once you leave your before you leave before the waste leaves your house there will be a house help in your house which typically takes out your bottles Takes out your high-value class scrap dealers, or you, or you, or in most middle-class families, you also see them that we have this tendency of not throwing newspapers, cardboard boxes, and calling your local radhiwala or kabadiwala mm. and selling that material to them. So whatever can be taken out, your household will take out, or you will take out of from, from there itself. If you don't do that, then your building sweeper will take out as much valuable material from there. If he doesn't do that, then a municipal municipality van will also be able to take out scavenge or whatever is. valuable from that material which they take out now this goes to a small scale scrap dealer which is typically your addi wala or kabadi wala at your neighborhood which then gets which who does the primary level of sorting of plastic alag se paper separately glass differently metal separately which then gets sold to individual dealers after that which is a specific dealer for plastic specific for paper specific for glass who are aggregators who do the process processing in some cases so plastic again we look at it as plastic but there are seven grades of plastics and within each grade there's further subgrades that need to be done before it reaches a recycler so at our facility we're doing almost 40 levels of dry waste sorting in between just paper plastic glass 
metal up to an extent that happens over there. So this has happened. This happens through individual scrap dealers that only work with one commodity and do the further segregation of it. And then post they further segregated, there's some pre-processing. So either they compress it into bales or they shred this material, which is then sent to a recycler. So wet. I'm talking about the dry supply chain right now, but dry waste. So plastic may PET bottles ka there'll be a separate recycler. Shampoo bottles ka there's a separate recycler. Paper may newspaper there's somebody else. Cardboard is somebody else. So there's this parallel shadow supply chain that just runs behind our, which we just don't have any idea about. That does honestly does a very good job with the limited resources and the limited recognition that they have. Because without them, our situation would be even worse in terms mm-hmm. of our landfills being overburdened. So at each stage or each step of this trash following, the trash flowing through our from our house to the end destination, there are multiple people that actually scavenge through this and make sure that as much as it can be recycled is being collected and recycled. And of course, whatever is not then reaches the landfill. Now at the landfill sites also, there are scra- there are waste, uh, waste pickers that scavenge through that waste as well. Now, of course, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's not in the best condition, but it's happening across the supply chain from the beginning to the end. So, uh, and which is why I say, even though you think that you like when, when, when you talk to anybody and say that, why are you not segregating your waste? Most people will say that my municipality only sends one truck. And why should I say if even if I sort it, they will mix it in that one truck after mm. it leaves my house. But technically or honestly, that's not true. You know, there'll be somebody in your municipality might mix it. But before that, there'll be somebody else that picks it up or your municipality will pick it and take it separately. So even if the government has not provided you with the right infrastructure, do your bit at least of making sure you are sorting your waste because there'll be somebody or the other that will make sure that it's done. Maybe not in the right fashion and it's not the right way to do it, but it is still happening. And I don't think uh, you would want somebody to scavenge through your trash where you have sanitary pads and diapers to take out plastic bottles from it, which is just not hygienic or it's not the right way to do it, right? So at least bare minimum is that sort your waste at home. Wow, this is so, so amazing. It's like, I, I just want to have a small plug here. In fact, these audio can conversations have been so enriching. I uh, an episode which will come out next week. Uh, uh, I, it's about designing trucks, uh, and I spoke to uh, Satya uh, Gangasilan, and um, he's VP of Design at Ashok Leyland, and he's he spoke about the entire supply chain and the the hundred moving parts while making a truck. It's paint job. And it's yeah. uh, designers, it's testing, the drivers, uh, the manufacturer, the spare parts. It it blows your mind, right? Like there's so much happening <laughs> at so many levels. Amazing, amazing. So, um, like, and and because if we have like well segregated uh, sort of cans at public spaces, or if you educate somehow through your workshops or generally at large, uh, will it like how will it change like i'm sure in better like developed countries there will be some sort of a mechanism maybe they are picking up the cans and so are we sort of putting the ownership on the people and the society as opposed to organizations when we create these segregations at a much more fundamental level is that the only objective or so i think the problem is uh, so large and uh, that you know you need equal participation and maybe maybe not equal you mean you need more participation from some players as compared to the others but everybody needs to do their bit mm. now uh, one thing is that it may be in a singapore or in europe or us or in you know developed countries you might have enough infrastructure and the right way to do it but uh, i don't think you can copy paste what is happening in developed countries in a country like India, where the where leave aside waste characteristics, the 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 traditions, the culture changes every twenty five to fifty kilometers. Uh, you know, you can't you can't just copy paste what's happening in the West and expect it to work over here. Even if we had the capital, even if we had the resources, and we put in as much energy into it, you can't do that. I don't think that works. Now. Uh, I think yes, at, at a consumer level, 
I feel that we need to do our small bit of, you know, sorting our waste. And then we also have a larger power in terms of buying the right products because we are the ones that actually end up buying from supermarkets. But in at Recircle, we believe that if it needs to be large impact that needs to be created, the ownership at a large level lies on the businesses and the organizations that produce or generate this waste. So yes, at individual level, we need to do our bit and we can't, you know, just say that, okay, till somebody else does it or the government does it, we will not, we will not do it till then or till the business does it, we won't do it till then. We need to do that at our own level. But uh, what we see is that businesses are the ones that actually design this waste. And, and honestly, uh, you rightly mentioned, I mean, most of the things actually come down to design, honestly, mm-hmm. in this aspect mm-hmm. as well, because... Correct. We, we have to design waste out of the ecosystem. That's mm-hmm. the thought process. So what we, what when we start looking at waste is once we are done using a product and now we're like, this is waste. Now what to do with it? But this journey actually starts at the, when you are designing the product itself. So when brand owners or businesses are designing products, they need to see if, how will this be easy to recover? How will this be easy to recycle? Can this be made into refillable? Can this be made into reusable products? So if this is at the, when we're, when we're making the product itself and at that stage, you're actually thinking of what will happen at end of life, you would probably make a product which is not waste and can be used as a resource at the end of it as compared to, you know, thinking about the problem once it's already created. So at Recircle, we typically believe that businesses are a big key stakeholders. They need to take the action in terms of paying for the infrastructure and recovery of the waste that they're generating and also doing a large systemic change in terms of redesigning at the start itself, because that's what will make the change happen in the long-term perspective of things. So businesses are key. Consumers need to do their segregation work. And then, of course, government needs to play as a catalyst to build in policy systems, processes to ensure that the industry of recovery flourishes at a large level so mm. i it cannot be just you know one if it cannot just be one one stakeholder doing their bit it needs to be everyone doing their piece being playing their playing their part in the whole large puzzle yeah yeah absolutely because everyone is creating ways so uh yeah in fact i remember i, I did an interview with uh Hemant Jha, i think episode number 237 uh, uh it's called honest structures uh, with Himanja and they create furniture and they call it honest uh, structures is because everything is made from a thought process to understand that how will it end right what's the thought process absolutely. I think that would be a that would be a good episode for you to sort of listen but absolutely uh, I'll, yeah 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 and and speaking about government um, I'm sure like after the latest BJP rule, uh, we have been hearing a lot of Swachh Bharat Abhiyan and things like that. So, like the second part of this entire conversation is about recircle and how you guys are working towards it. But just like a segue to that, like how I've, like, is there a real impact? Obviously, there is, but like how much of it is optics or how much of it is real? Plus, uh, how have these policies helped entrepreneurs like you? Uh, in in this entire ecosystem, no, I think like I mentioned that government needs to play that catalyst role. Mm. You know, it's uh, the and and I think the Swachh Bharat movement, along with a lot of policy shifts that's happened over the last uh, let's say five to seven years, has played that catalyst role. So, uh, Swachh Bharat at least has brought in enough awareness across the nation that. This is a problem and this needs to be done. So that mass level awareness that needed to be created, it needs to be, it, it has done that to an extent. Mm. Is it perfect? I would say that in India, the ecosystem is such that, you know, nothing would ideally be perfect. It's always moving parts mm. and there's more that can always be done. But I think it's a good move towards getting people aware and getting people up from where they are. There's, there are case studies uh, in different parts of the country uh, where, you know, there's been a much larger impact that has been created. And there are case studies where there's not much that has happened as well with the Swachh Bharat movement. So like in Indore, which is like, a, you know, our, uh, our our case study model that if you want to talk about waste, you have Indore, but somehow the other come in there 
in that conversation and it's been it's been tremendous i've gone and seen the work that's happened over there on ground uh, also some small city in um, ambikapur model is also something that has been doing very well uh, but the eco like i said you know it's uh, our you like i was mentioning that you can't copy paste what's happening in the west to india you can't actually also copy paste what's happening in mumbai and in delhi and you can't copy paste that delhi is happening in hyderabad because our cities are also so unique and unique in its own way that you need to have customized models but coming back to the point that swachh bharat has been a big eye opener for most people along with that there has been a lot of development in policy that's come in so the solid waste management and the plastic waste management policy is came in so solid waste management was amended after two decades almost in 2016 which puts a lot of these ownership and and responsibility of the different stakeholders in place for segregation and things like that plastic waste management policy which is also linked to the epr work that we do at recircle did not exist so they've carved out plastic waste as a separate waste category from the solid waste management itself came out in 2016 for the first time and there's been regular amendments and revisions that have ha- that are happening till date so over the last 5 6 years there there is they are putting in ownership on the producers to manage their waste responsibly so uh, in terms of uh, the ecosystem the policy has made an impact in terms of getting putting the ownership on the, or the responsibility of the relevant stakeholders to the right people and at the same time working towards uh, creating systems processes are they perfect i would i would say no they're not perfect but they are working the the intent the intent is towards the the intent is correct the intent is right and it needs to be implemented in the right possible way so is definitely adding as a catalyst that at least we are we are now aware and we we know what we, what what each stakeholder needs to do uh, maybe more at some level less at some level but it is creating it is creating movement to move forward in that direction at least hmm yeah yeah as we as we also grow up in our career hierarchies we we notice that most of the time i think more, maybe 100% of the time the intent is great and and right in the right direction the challenge is execution a lot of times right uh, and i can see a stark difference when i now come back it's been just like few months outside india but when i come back there's continuously some work happening right there's some construction going on and now i've started understanding why they call developed and developing <laughs> it's a big difference big difference like you see yeah. things are developing and and they are progressing in the right direction cool so yeah moving on to uh, recircle right tell us about like what are you guys exactly doing uh, how did it start uh, why did you think wh- what made you venture in this sort of sp- space and and yeah we'll we'll yeah so so i i'll i start on a journey of uh, why i got into it to start with uh, okay. and then maybe how it began and what we are doing uh, so I come from a from a background of finance. I've done my graduation in accounting and finance, and then done my CFA. And uh, honestly, like most people, not in my wildest dreams did I ever think that I would be uh, in the waste management sector, managing waste for a living. For that matter of fact, not quite literally, but in a way that we are doing this as an organization level. Uh, our journey, uh, you know, when we started off, we went for something called the Google Startup Weekend. uh gurashish my co-founder and i had gone for this guru gurashish and i go back uh, we were school friends so we know each other for almost couple of decades now but a uh, couple of points that basically got me leaning towards the sector was that when we were doing our research and of course coming from that finance and numbers background uh we realized that india was actually importing trash from rest of the world so we were importing tons and tons of paper plastic glass and other waste uh from europe us and middle east to just keep our recycling industry running and that was quite ironical because you know having been born and brought up in mumbai and traveled quite a bit in india the one thing that i am pretty sure maybe you can second me kedar is that we are the one thing that we don't have shortage for is waste yeah we we have we have enough amount of waste in our country and it felt odd to see that we are actually importing this waste from rest of the world and uh, and uh, and there we thought that there was an opportunity i thought that there is some value to be created we realized that it is more of a recovery problem than generation problem so uh, we we ventured into the space very naive young out of college 
uh and uh initially of course we we our model was quite different than what we're doing today because we also realized that what how how we can create larger impact but we realized that there is a space to create some impact in the space create some value for stakeholders in the ecosystem uh that was one of the driving factors in terms of getting into this space itself the numbers part being one and then over the next 5 7 years that we've done this uh i i managed to visit a lot of landfill sites across the country and the situation is like in the most simplest way is bad that's the in one word itself it's really bad it and it's the same across mumbai delhi bangalore hyderabad all cities across india some might be doing a little bit better but it is still bad the situation uh, so we uh, that's what drove me to the sector to basically one was the numbers and then eventually over the years also the impact that we can create in this space uh, because we've seen how the work happens and that's what drove me to create or to get to what we started as three circle uh, we uh, so what we do at three circle is uh, we're building a we're building a traceable reverse supply chain for plastics so the industry like we earlier spoke is extremely fragmented informal uh, has a lot of moving parts and puzzles around the ecosystem but it's still doing a good job is my thought so our idea was to create a business model which is inclusive where we partner with the existing informal supply chain make bring them as bring them as the key stakeholders or partners in our ecosystem formalize them to the extent that as much as we can and we have larger goals for that but we've started somewhere i would say we're not where we want to be but we've started somewhere so we work with these collection partners these are scrap dealers aggregators across the country we track this plastic waste from them to the final recycling or end of life so to ensure that it doesn't reach our landfill and reaches the right recycling factory so we've basically brought in traceability and transparency in a supply chain that typically was didn't even exist over shadow and did not we didn't know what was happening over there now how we are monetizing it is that we the material that is flowing through our supply chain is converted into plastic credits so similar to how carbon credits work mm-hmm. we are working on plastic credits and selling these to big businesses with the likes of your unilever cokes nestle mondelez starbucks to help them go plastic neutral so essentially what we are doing is that we have given the ownership the responsibility on the brand owners to take action to actually take take action to actually go plastic neutral while impacting the entire supply chain and working towards formalization so we are a, we are of course a b2b first business so we believe like i was mentioning that the responsibility lies in the brand owners hands so we are tracking this material through our tech platform integrating collectors recyclers ensuring that the revenue that we make from this plastic credits gets trickled down to the stakeholders so there's enough incentive for the collectors to get formalized so working towards so a lot of our work revolves around uh, giving them social security giving them access to government schemes working towards better working conditions minimum wages at the collector level so there's a lot of effort that goes on on that level uh while we of course sell these plastic cards and then there's a sm- then there are smaller sub verticals that we work towards in terms of consumer awareness engagement so a lot of awareness workshops we use art as a medium to uh get people to get aware about the work that they do get people to aware about the waste management efforts how to segregate their waste we have zero waste events that we help event companies to go zero waste we have zero waste corporates uh so a lot of the other ancillary work which goes on around in the back end which is basically awareness and and uh, and services that we provide to different corporates but the large effort is to formalize that ecosystem and bring transparency and traceability in the supply chain by getting brands to pay for it that's what we are doing today mm-hmm. uh but the vision for recircle is to close the loop so when i say close the loop today we attract this material from collection to recycling but as next steps the aim is to track this recycled granules post recycling back into the supply chain of brands that we work with as ethically sourced recycled plastic mm. thereby ensuring that we reduce the need for virgin plastic also increase the demand for recycling and and this this is what brings me down to the point of you know where we started off is that the designing of the product needs to be thought of Mm. so you know so we will be able to provide you the raw material 
but how do we design that this material can flow through the supply chain and come back as raw material to make a new product out of it? So simply put, a beverage bottle that you buy and you dispose gets recycled, gets converted back into a beverage bottle, which reduces the need for more natural resources to be taken out. And, and we move into a closed loop solution. So that's the vision and that's what we're heading towards. But currently we are tracking it from collection to recycling. Yeah, that's pretty noble. So uh, one follow-up on that to understand the credit piece. Uh, and yeah. excuse if this is a little naive question, but I've always been curious. So when you say that you give plastic credits, say to Starbucks, uh, they buy those and that money which you get is repurpose for these things what you mentioned is that correct understanding so in simplicity let's say if uh, let's say if a coca-cola is selling 10,000 bottles in the market with our supply network we collect these 10,000 bottles back on behalf of them ensure it gets recycled and sell them these credits so that they are able to say that as much plastic they put in the market they have taken the ownership of recovering as much plastic they are putting in through our network itself now, if let's say we are selling one one credit for $10, now this credit money is then trickled down to the collector, to the recycler to make sure that they are able to, they have enough incentive, they're getting the value for what the recovery that they're doing. So it's going, so portion of it goes as direct monetary additional income to the supply chain hold, stakeholders. And then we keep a portion to do all of these additional activities that we were, that I was talking about in terms of formalization, your your social security, health camp, all of the extra work that we do is part of our, our initiative to basically formalize the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, what they're doing is basically buying these credits to offset their entire supply. Or yeah, offset their waste that they're producing. Waste. So yeah. how much ever production that they're doing, they're offsetting it. Uh, and this has actually become a compliance for... Uh, as a part of the plastic waste management rules that have been coming out, which I spoke earlier about, uh, there's a concept called EPR, which is Extended Producer Responsibility. And this EPR requires producers of plastic waste or brand owners that produce plastic waste to recover as much plastic they put in the market. So mm. it's linked to the compliance. It's also linked to their sustainable development goals. So why businesses are doing this is also a big question. So one is the compliance. The other is that most of these big brands have committed that we'll be net zero, we'll use less plastic, we will go plastic neutral by 2025, X, Y, Z. So to align that and to make sure that there's no greenwashing in this entire ecosystem, we are making sure that there's transparency in that supply chain. It is not just you know credits that they are buying, but they're making sure who's where is it, where are they, who's collecting it, how is it getting collected, how is it getting processed. That is all being tracked as a part of each credit that this brand owner purchases. Mm -hmm. I remember like, I remember reading one, I don't recollect where exactly, but it, the concept was Shreyas and Prayas. So Prayas is like generally what you like and Shreyas is typically the ideal. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Prayas can be little sexy, uh, but Shreyas is what is required, right? I mean, it may or may yeah. not be sexy. Typically it's not sexy. I think you guys are in the Shreya's business. It may not be very sexy because uh, a very close friend of mine also works in a similar in the carbon uh, uh, setup. Uh, and he says that it's not sexy, but it's very, very important uh, for us as society, for us as maybe human civilization also. Because, <laughs> yeah. And and uh, like within the workshops and and the other activities that you do i also read in the report about safai sathis and so is this like trying to build a parallel ecosystem along with the government <clears throat> bodies or like what's happening there so um, safai so one thing that we realize is that uh, you know uh, waste pickers or waste collectors is is just not the right way to you know give the people that do this work so we we call them safai sathis everybody that is in a part of our ecosystem and then helps us collect this way. So that's how we we basically define them as supply sathis. So is there existing supply? It's it's a shadow supply chain in a way that I would say, which is like basically your informal waste collectors. And we are defining them as supply sathis. 
So we work with formal players that are working with municipality as well, and as well as informal scrap dealers and aggregators that help us collect this material. Uh, and then we work towards the capacity building of the supply sachis that are part of our supply chain. Mm, got it. Got it. Okay. And and you spoke about uh, the EPR, ERP, EPR, EPR, EPR. Yeah. Uh, so what is like Clima One and like yeah, are there any sort of other flagship initiatives uh, from a technology standpoint or ground operations standpoint? So Clima One is actually a tech platform that powers the supply chain. So Clima One has a collection partner app. It has a processor dashboard. It has a brand dashboard. So if you are a brand owner that comes and buys EPR credits or plastic credits from us, uh, we you will be able to see which collector, what recycler, and all of this data is being tracked through the Clima One platform. So it's not just uh, you know me coming and selling you credits without having credibility of what's happening and where it's happening from. So Clima One is actually bringing that, bringing all the stakeholders into one ecosystem, one platform itself, and bringing in that transparency, bringing in that data level uh, over and above you know just the supply of material that's flowing to ensure that if anybody is spending that money to go plastic neutral, it's actually going to the right place. And you're able to get that data point, you're able to get that reports that you require for your reporting as for your compliance as well as your internal reporting. So that tomorrow if somebody comes and questions us, let's say if somebody comes and questions recircle, we know that you know who's collecting it and how is it getting collected, how is it happening? And we have the entire flow that's happening through it. So Clima One is actually a are enabler in the circular economy space and that helps us track this material. And on Glima One, there is basically EPR credits that we are selling. We also have this program, which is for micro and small brands, so smaller MSME brands, which is called the Plastic Neutral Program, which is essentially voluntary action that businesses can take. So currently EPR is only relevant for large brands, but uh, the small brands, uh, and we've got a bunch of about 20 of them that have already come on board, which are doing this as a part of their own sustainability activity, where they are taking up, you know, if they're selling organic products, they're selling vegan and, you know, cruelty free, they realize also that they want to do something and plastics is here to stay, mm. you know, so they have to take some action. So that's where uh, plastic, the plastic neutral program comes in, which is for much smaller businesses and smaller brands that come in. So Clima One becomes that block that helps us track it and then EPR is one of the service, plastic neutral program is another service. And then we have our we have our regular collection drives in the city of Mumbai. So we actually go from door to door to pick up the recyclable waste. And it happens almost twice or thrice a month where consumers can actually participate in recycling their waste with us as well. Wow, quite intense. So um, I don't know whether I'm digressing a bit, but because of this building transparency will like blockchain play an important role for you guys or so uh, the idea is to bring transparency and and to make sure that it is accessible to the stakeholders mm-hmm. uh, blockchain yes i mean you mentioned shreya and priya mm-hmm. if i'm not wrong <laughs> yeah uh, and rightly put you put us in the shreya segment not so sexy mm-hmm. but <laughs> if you want to move to the priya segment priya segment uh, blockchain will help us look sexy Mm-hmm. Uh, but the idea is to be able to get people to get get action and get traction on the system. So yes, blockchain is a part of us and our plan to become sexy. Mm-hmm. But uh, at this stage, we are not yet using uh, blockchain primarily because uh, we realize that we want to make sure that you know there is enough adoption that happens at the collection level rather than rather than blockchain becoming a barrier because it has its own integrities in terms of development. It has its integrities in terms of cost. We are also mm-hmm. dealing with a commodity which is waste. Okay, so we're not dying, we're not de- we're not tracking diamonds, we're not tracking like the most best wine from uh, you know France and things like that. Uh, but we're tracking waste at the end of it. So mm. uh, we are addressing the issues of uh, you know non-duplication, transparency through our Web two portal. But yes, Web three is something that we will be looking at incorporating as well. Yeah, great, great, cool, and and. Are there any significant changes? Because I've seen uh, a lot of startups getting funded when they just say carbon or 
waste or these kind of words. So, uh, has there been like other technological interventions which has helped you guys? How how does sort of technology enable you to make this little more efficient? I thought the sexy words were clean tech, ed tech, and you know med tech and uh, fintech and things like that, <laughs> which is where which is where the money was going into, yeah. uh, and not as much as in you know clean uh, your your waste and clean tech and carbon. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure has I'm, been of course. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. like just like uh, the A rounds or the B rounds are definitely. Uh, happening. I don't know about C and D for uh, for uh, other players, but you guys will sort of see it in a long run. But yeah, <laughs> sorry to cut you. <laughs> no, I mean yes, there's more traction that's coming in this space. Uh, people have realized that you know clean tech and sustainability and circular economy are places that they need to look at. Uh, clean tech is also very large, so there's there is money flowing into the EV space quite a lot. There's money flowing into the the carbon space to an extent to solar also to an extent uh waste and 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 circular economy is still a buzzing space for us a uh, lot more traction that's coming in uh in the so I, the way that i like to put it is that there's there's more traction in the last three to five years there's been there, the, it has been slow but it has been it has been definitely as it has been much faster in the last two decades put together so this track it is going towards the momentum is still coming in but it's still slow, I would say. Maybe not as much as it is in the West. So maybe uh, Europe might be seeing a lot more adoption and a lot more funding coming in. Indian ecosystem is is coming to that traction level to get enough money flowing into the sector itself. Got it. Got it. Cool. Uh, before we conclude, I just have like two questions. But anything that I missed with you guys are doing because I'm right now more of a facilitator to understand. So anything <laughs> that uh, like which needs attention, which you want to share because last two are little tactical. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we've, we've broadly, uh, you know, covered uh, most of what we do and, you know, also the context of what the waste ecosystem looks like. I think, uh, thank you, Kedar, for having put, put these nice questions together so that it covers most of it. And I think I can honestly go on for hours on uh, you know the ecosystem and the supply chain and the waste and what we do at Recircle. But I think yeah, we've covered largely good context to good good con good good components to make sure there's some context for the listeners. Awesome. Uh, in this so space. yeah, then I'll have a plug again uh, for you guys actually because you guys are doing some good job. Um, most of AudioGAN listeners have been designers and artists and and little bit on the tech tech side of things. And how do you guys sort of attract talent, engineers? I'm like because this friend is always figuring out who that designer would be who would like to come and design a B two B product. Uh, that to so yeah, that too. As I said, like little unsexy, but. <laughs> How do you guys <laughs> sort of figure out talent and so uh, you know Kedar, we are we are a young team. Uh, mm-hmm. We realize that you know domain specific people is doesn't exist in our ecosystem. Very few you know that have like you know waste management actually as a as a curriculum or as a course did not exist in the last two years or maybe three years ago. Where, where we very few actually even wanted to study it. There was not no way you could. Not many places, let's put it this way, that you could actually go and study the sector itself. Uh, but uh, you know, we we found we are luckily enough we found a we found a group of young, passionate individuals uh, looking at. And I think what keeps all of us driven is the impact that we create. Mm. Uh, we're recovering almost, I would like to say, about nine thousand kgs of waste every hour, every day, from uh, almost three hundred locations across India. Uh, while impacting more than 3,000 informal waste workers. And uh, and I think whenever we do have our town halls, uh, one of the numbers that the impact numbers come in first. Of mm. course, that dhanda needs to come, revenue mm. But uh, But that's, that's one thing that keeps driving us. And we build the business model in such a way, if the impact grows, the dhanda will automatically you know, mm. grow as well. So uh, we, we're looking for people that, uh, that that have the intent, that want to make change. And uh, and we have the opportunity of working with the biggies of the world. Uh, we've got some big names as our clients. So even though it 
might not be as sexy but i think the the when you when you look at the kind of uh, people that we are able to influence to make decisions i think that's that's sexy enough you know it's mm. uh, it's the big guys that will be that we are able to influence to make change happen and i think that's where we lie in. and and internally of course i think if we, i would say even if uh, if you don't think that we're doing anything sexy go check out our social media and instagram uh, <laughs> our young our young team is is making this uh, is making the space much more fun Uh, even though we're looking at uh, you know just waste but i think uh, we we've been very creative uh, especially you know in the design space we do we do this workshop with art uh, we've done a bunch of art installations in partnership with uh, a lot of artists that help us you know communicate the problem and the solution through in art installation we have for kids we have a workshop which we use art for as a mechanism of uh, you know training them and training bringing in awareness as well uh mm-hmm. which is really really fun i mean the, the art workshop is something that i i i also quite enjoy um uh, and uh, and uh, yeah and i think that and especially for the designers listening i think this is uh, a even though yes we're doing very a lot more operational work but design is going to play a key role in eliminating or basically rethinking waste as a resource like we like to say like in the beginning i said that waste the definition of waste is something that most people understand but at recycle we don't like to call ourselves as a waste management company we are a resource recovery clean tech company uh, because what is waste for most people is a resource for us so mm. i think designers have this you know key part that they can actually play in terms of redesigning waste as a resource so it's hard but yes i think we've been fortunate enough to get good people and we're always looking for more yeah very true in fact uh this friend of mine who runs this also said that i i said can i join you guys and uh what what qualification would you need and he said you just need to care care about yeah. environment care about society care about people care about nature and i think that's that's good enough to uh, i mean that's good enough of, that's the jo- job description right <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely cool so i would like to conclude uh with one last question is that uh what's what do you think like i'm sure entering this space and and looking at the crazy work ahead uh i'm i'm without even asking i know that you are the most positive and optimistic guy but what's the future of waste according to you at least in india can we be yeah i wouldn't compare a singapore or a dubai or i don't know uh can should we or can we be like that i think it's a un yeah it's not a good question but yeah <laughs> what what do you think what do you think uh, future of east is i think uh, yeah i mean it, it's not a right comparison to make i mean uh, to to compare india to uh, any western developed country to start with because we have our own unique set of challenges we have our own ecosystem uh, but, but i think there there is a there's a lot to do there's a lot of work to be done but i see that you know uh, with the with the grassroots of where we come from where you know where technically waste didn't exist like we started off you mentioned that you know we we don't actually if we look at our parents and grandparents we didn't actually discard anything or we did not waste we reuse as much as we could and the idea would be to eliminate the word waste in the long term and use that as a resource so lot more structurally than big changes that need to happen but yeah that would be my ideal you know way of looking at this that if we are able to design an ecosystem that is that that just resources just flow in the ecosystem rather than even being wasted so mm-hmm. it's an ideal world it's an ideal world there's a lot there's a long way to go but uh, i see that if enough people come together and this does not have to mean that you work with recycle or you do what or you know you use our services but it's to do their do your own bit in your own boss in your own small way we can make a much larger uh, impact and make make india at least if not a singapore but create a case study for india as india itself that can be replicated across let's say the developing nations that could look at us uh, because you know our challenges are different as compared to the rest of the world correct correct yeah from from tropical climate to uh, language to culture everything changes right so yeah definitely but can we expect waste in even metaverse 
I'm just like playing around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, metaverse technically runs on electronics, and e-waste is a category. And there's enough carbon that's being generated. <laughs> there's a big debate of even when you mention blockchain. Uh, there's a big debate on if blockchain is even sustainable to start with. So mm-hmm. there's already waste in the metaverse. I would say uh, it's about uh, you know which metaverse are you looking at and where are you looking at it from. Yeah, I mean, they, they, we need to we need to figure out. So data is waste if you're using data and it's just lying over there. So it's definitely a waste. So yeah. there could be waste in the metaverse. There, there is already waste in space that has been identified. There are lots of satellites. So till humans exist on this planet, there is going to be waste. That's the bottom line. It's about how we look to deal with it. Yeah, I I remember one interview where uh, it was somewhere on the TV. for one psychologist but i can draw a similar parallel in this entire ecosystem is that this psychologist was uh, asked that what do you think of positive psychology and you have to answer in one word and he said good and uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, the reporter the journalist asked oh, no no it doesn't sound great can you tell us in two words and he said not good And I was just like, how, how how come that's like you just now said good? Okay, I'll give you three words, and can you explain? And he said, not good enough. I think uh, uh, I draw a similar parallel that yes, we have waste, which is uh, good, but yeah, we have to do something about it. So, uh, which the state is not good, but the kind of work you guys are doing at Recycle, Rahul, I think all power to you. Uh, and yeah, it's it's it it's just. uh very good stuff that you guys are doing so all the best and thanks for giving your time thank you thank you geeta thank you for uh helping us amplify our story and uh, it has been lovely speaking with you over the last hour and uh, yeah and good work good i think uh, all the best wishes to you and audio gyan as well thanks thanks a lot okay thank you that's it and that's it from today's gyan session For show notes and more gan visit audiogan.com and if you wish to connect with me I am at audiogan moments on Instagram until then take care